Hey everybody, welcome to the final week of the Become Like Jesus class. Uh, this is Josh, and today we're going to talk about crafting a rule of life. This is kind of what we've been building up to over the course of this eight-week class. We started with some theology of transformation. We started with uh, some basic practices about contemplation and also a theory of transformation, how we actually change and become more like Jesus and the idea. And we looked at some specific disciplines and practices, how that, that can be put into place. So the idea is to kind of tie it all together with a rule of life and then just kind of trust the process and see what happens. Uh, now, I'm super curious what comes to mind when you hear the term rule of life. My guess is that at least some of us is gonna, are going to have our you know legalism alarm start clanging. You know the 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 time in church history when a lot of us like grew up. You know I think we were either growing up in legalism and have come out of it, or we were raised by people that have kind of re- reacted to legalism, or or maybe you know you're a super rule follower, so you kind of you know you hear about rules and you're, you get the tingles, a chance to to crush even more rules and you know do it right or. You know, maybe there's some fear, you know, fear of failure that gets triggered when you hear that or you hear that voice in the back of your head that's always saying you like you shouldn't try anything because you're just going to ruin it and you're going to let everyone down. And you're going to embarrass yourself or or whatever. Or maybe, you know, you're feeling worn out and exhausted by, you know, just life and the uncertainty of the season that you're going through and disoriented by the distraction and onslaught of news and and so the thought of like maybe having a simple structure that it allows for rest, I hope sounds good to you. Uh, it's probably some combination of all those things. As we talk about the concept of a rule of life, I'd encourage you to just, you know, keep a finger on the pulse of how you're feeling and responding to to the idea of a rule of life emotionally. You know, not to beat yourself up. You know, if you hear it and you're just like, no, I'm out. I hate this. You know, that's fine. Just be curious why that is the case. Because uh, the thing that I've discovered about uh, a rule of life and really the disciplines in general is that it, it, it just reveals places in our hearts where, where we need the gospel or we need healing. We need God to heal us with his love. You know, anytime stuff gets practical, uh, I think things start to be revealed. You know, when it's just theoretical or conceptual or whatever, uh, it's easy to hide. Now, the first thing to say straight away is that a rule of life is singular. It is rule of life, not rules of life or rules for life. Not that there's, you know, anything wrong, you know, there's lots of books out there, you know, rules for life or whatever, and those can be helpful. But for our purposes and how we're talking about it, uh, you know, it's not meant to be a list of rules, uh, you know, a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, Instead, it's singular because it's meant to be a rule like a ruler, Uh, you know, something you would use to draw a straight line. The English word rule comes from the Latin word regula, which you can hear, you know, echoes of the word regulate. And if you kind of trace the etymology of it, you can trace it to this idea of a trellis. Uh, it's like a structure that helps you grow in the direction that you want. Just like a tomato plant or a grapevine needs a structure in order to grow and be healthy and produce a lot of fruit. Um, you see throughout a lot of church history, Jesus followers have developed, you know, trellises to structure their days, their weeks, their months their years so that the main things stay the main thing. Uh, you know, specifically, life with God under his rule becomes more and more of our reality. And, uh, and we can focus on the important work of joining God and his sanctifying work in our lives. Uh, it, that, that, that work, that sanctifying work that God wants to do doesn't get drowned out, crowded out by things that might be urgent but not very important. You know, the cares and riches of this life, as Jesus says in the parable. 
In John 15, Jesus tells us to abide in him. Uh, abide in me, and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit. Like a branch abides in the vine, because uh, that's how, you know, that's the only way that branches can produce fruit. Uh, it's, and I think that passage is interesting to consider uh, maybe afresh because <clears throat> it's Jesus inviting us, telling us, maybe even commanding his disciples uh, to, to abide, to remain in him. Like we have a role to play. We have a choice to abide or not to abide. Now, I think it's worth making the distinction that, you know, theologically or positionally in the gospel, we are already in Christ uh, we don't like earn our place in Christ or whatever, but Jesus seems to be suggesting that we have a role to play in the degree to which we experience that objective position that we have in Christ in the gospel. And a rule of life is is a simple way, is a straightforward, practical way that we can intentionally seek to connect ourselves to Jesus throughout our days and weeks, months and years and see the Holy Spirit, Lord willing, produce fruit in our inner being, making us more like Jesus, more more marked by the fruit of the Spirit, and also, you know, making us fruitful in our lives and ministry. A rule of life has nothing to do with earning God's favor, working our way to heaven, making ourselves right in our own strength. That's all been accomplished by Jesus on the cross. If you've trusted in Jesus, then the most true thing about you is that you are God's beloved child. He sees you. He's pleased with you. You belong with him. And in that grace, in that unconditional positive regard, that unmerited favor and love from God to us, the God of the universe who wants you to call him Father, we can then make choices with, uh, with our new hearts, with our, uh, a renewed mind that put us in the place to receive that grace and love. That's the main objective. With the disciplines, with a rule of life, is to help us all make space to receive God's ferocious love for us in Christ. And love ultimately is how we are transformed. Love is how people change uh, to become like Jesus. It is the, the prerequisite, the conditions or the atmosphere with which we are truly transformed. Uh, so sorry if that was a little redundant or whatever. Just want to go, you know, above and beyond <laughs> to communicate that when we talk about a rule of life and the disciplines, we're not earning anything. We're just making ourselves available and that there is the objective realities of the gospel that God does for us in Christ. And then there's the subjective realities of the life that we can live after he has done that work in us. So that's what we're getting at here. Now, the, the concept of the rule of life has been in church history for a very long time. Uh, St. Benedict, I think, was one of the first to come up with a rule of life right, uh, at, at, right at the fall of the Roman Empire, third or fourth century there. Uh, and that's a, there's actually a really fascinating par- parallel that Rod Dreher points out in his book, The Benedict Option, uh, that there, there's some similarities between our cultural moment and uh, Benedict's cultural moment. He saw the chaos as the pillars of civilization were failing and all the structures and institutions of you know the Roman Empire were beginning to fall apart. And so he wanted to, to create a rule of life that Jesus' followers could gather around together and allow it to give structure to their lives uh, in order to protect the, the way of Jesus so they might, might have some stability in the way of Jesus as everything was crazy around them. Historically, a rule of life was, was meant to be practiced in community. Most of the the famous ones that we have today throughout history, church history, were designed for a group of people uh, to do together. So that's an important thing when you look at the history of rules of life. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that civilization's falling apart, 
But I think we got to be honest, you know, it's been a tough couple of years. And when you look at the bigger picture, there's a, a sociologist at Notre Dame called Patrick Deenan, and he wrote a book a, a while ago called like pre-COVID, you know, pre-2020 and everything that we've seen, where he basically looks at what he would call the failed experiment of liberalism. And the book is called Why Liberalism Failed. To be clear, he's not talking about like liberals, like Democrats versus like Republicans or something like that. But instead, he's talking about liberalism as, you know, the the political and social philosophy that is about individual rights and civil liberties and democracy and free enterprise and all that. And according to Patrick Dean and the sociologist, it is a philosophy that is not sufficient to keep a civilization intact. Uh, We could talk a lot more about that. Sorry if that's distracting. I bring that up because his conclusion, the sociologist, and he's at Notre Dame, so he's got some Catholic roots, is his conclusion or prediction is that the future will be made up of small communities of practice. This broader, you know, continent-spanning liberalism experiment, you know, from coast, you know, sea to shining sea, doesn't seem to be working out so great. And the answer is to kind of get smaller and to get small communities centered around practices that enable the community to live out their values. That's essentially what St. Benedict did. Uh, you know, so if you're unsettled by recent events, uh, consider this is a possible way forward. You know, join a small community of practice. And I think the church is very primed <laughs> to be that. So this is not, you know, this rule of life stuff isn't us trying to be super trendy here at Redemption City or be cutting edge, but instead to try to go back and look at church history and what have, what's been tried and true to be helpful in the lives of Jesus followers. And uh, like St. Benedict, you know, give us some handholds, some structures to put uh, some shape to our lives. An example from my own life, Camille and I moved to Grand Rapids uh, in February, uh, almost exactly two years ago. And five weeks later, the pandemic hit. We moved in 2020 and, you know, we were isolated in a new city with no church family, stuck in our tiny fixer upper. Uh, You know, we were like a half a mile from the YMCA that had like free childcare and a hot tub. So we're like, yeah, we can survive with that. And then, of course, that closed. And that first month was a a pretty dark place. Uh, I've talked about this a lot, but I, I got I was pretty mad and just felt stuck and confused. Like, why in the world do we move to be in the worst house we've ever lived in, you know, for the once in a century pandemic? And But I had a rule of life in place. And kind of after the, you know, initial disruption of, you know, the, the lockdown, I just kind of returned to it. And it, it was ingrained in me to wake up early and sit quietly with God and his word and pour my heart out to him. It was part of my rule of life to go for a walk every day. Uh, you know, just take deep breaths, being outside and feel God sustaining my my body and feel God, you know, sustaining or see God sustaining everything that I saw out in nature. And it was part of my rule of life to fast twice a week and check my desire for comfort, uh, you know, going to food and alcohol for comfort during the lockdown. And, you know, I just did it like it was it was set in place and it was normal to me. And I just kept doing those things. And I I really felt those things keep me from kind of falling off the deep end. And I was unemployed at the time, stuck at home. And so Camille and I, we kind of even like doubled down on the whole rule of life idea. And we we sort of turned our house into a domestic monastery where we, you know, we had up on the fridge this daily, robust daily schedule that, you know, kind of allowed time for everything that we needed, you know, time to uh, you know, get some work done on like house projects or I was taking counseling classes at the time, time to just play with the kids, time to have extended, you know, time alone. 
uh, way to figure out how to have pandemic play date or date, not play dates, <laughs> just normal dates with uh, Camille and I. And it was so helpful. Uh, you, you know, now it, it wasn't like, you know, drinking a gin and tonic and watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is, you know, what I did a lot those first few weeks of the lockdown. It wasn't like anesthesia <laughs> or like instant pain removal. Uh, you know, a lot of times it made us, you know, deal with some of the pain and confusion we were dealing with in, you know, all the suffering that came with the pandemic. But, you know, it was ultimately part of the way that God, you know, brought us out to a, a really sweet season later that summer uh, that kind of became this, you know, sabbatical rest uh, for, for me and our family in between, you know, pastoral jobs and all that stuff. So uh, it, it was good. It just kind of prepared our hearts to receive God's gracious gift and uh, see what he would do. Now, biblically, of course, there's not a verse in the Bible that says thou shalt have a rule of life. Instead, the rule of life idea is better seen as a, as a tool that Jesus followers have used for millennia to structure their lives around the commands of s- Scripture. Like This is just a, a fascinating thing about Scripture, and I think it's brilliant and profound, is that you know, the commands of Scripture tend to uh, kind of operate at a level that requires some work to land them down in our lives. And a rule of life is uh, a, a real plan. Uh, it puts a real plan in place with real practices so that when we read the commands in, in Scripture, we can, we can have some ways to do it. Like when we read the Bible and we hear it say, love one another, we can say, yes, I want to obey that. I want to love my brothers and sisters in the church, and I do that through these practices. You know, I'm in an LTG, or I have church family over for dinner once a month, or whatever it is. Or when the Bible says, do not be anxious, we can say, yes, here are the things I'm putting in place to fight anxiety, you know, with the truth of God and scripture, let the peace of God be my reality. Things like silence and solitude and Sabbath and simplicity and how much news we consume or how much social media we look at and how we relate to our phones, which of course makes us more anxious. So, you know, we, we read these commands. Jesus doesn't say like, only read 10 minutes of news a day or something like that. But he does say, don't be anxious. Don't worry about your life. You know, so what kinds of things uh, might we put in a rule of life to help us uh, embody that? Or, you know, a big one is the Bible says things like, you know, flee sexual morality or don't have a hint of sexual morality in your life. Uh, What does that mean? You know, how how do we actually like obey that? Just like hope somehow that that happens? No, we can obey the command by maybe, you know, cutting out certain types of media or fasting, you know, denying the physical appetites of the flesh can be a way that we flee sexual immorality. And again, we're not doing this to get God to love us. We don't obey God to get him to love us, but we obey God because uh, he loved us first and he's given us these commands just like we give our kids commands because we love them. Because uh, we want them to flourish, you know, the, the kids aren't any less loved or any less, you know, our children in their identity if they disobey. It just will not go well for them if they run into the street, or drink the chemicals under the seat. And there's great comfort, you know, to read the commands of Scripture and say, here's how, by God's grace, you know, with dependency on the Holy Spirit, I am seeking to obey these commands. Uh, this kind of really popped to me when I was preaching uh, for, on James last summer summer of 2021, uh, we went through that book because there are a ton of really beautiful commands in James. It's a very practical book, but they're, they're kind of abstract. 
And in James 4, 1 through 10, there's like a bunch of commands where it, it talks about like, you have not because you ask not. So like, ask God for what you want. Draw near to God. Resist the devil. Cl- cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Humble yourself. Like those are all in the imperative. Those are all commands. And uh, as I was thinking through, like, how do I land the plane of this sermon? You know, naturally I made a grid because that's what I do for everything. And so, you know, I, I think I actually put it up on the screen in the sermon. You know, the, the command is, ask God for what we want and draw near to him, you know, what spiritual discipline might help us do that? Like silence and solitude is drawing near to God. And in the silence and solitude, we let the the desires of our hearts and the longings of our hearts come to the surface and we hold them to God and resist the devil. You know, we resist his lies by reading scripture and memorizing scripture and study. And we we obviously also draw near to God through reading scripture and you know, Sabbath is a great way to resist the devil's agenda. We talked about Sabbath as resistance. We resist the, the way of the world that's, you know, under control of the devil in a lot of ways by Sabbathing and living according to God's values. And we cleanse our hands and purify our hearts through simplicity. Uh, if that's like cutting out things that cause us to covet, you know, wanting fancier, more things or uh, cause us to, you know, to lust or whatever. I was talking to someone today about just the dynamic where, you know, if it's sexual and 20 minutes long, it's porn. But if it's, you know, 20 seconds long, it's just, you know, a normal Netflix movie or whatever. You know, there's all these things where if we want to like really purify fire hearts from from these things and then humble ourselves so many of the disciplines are practical ways to humble ourselves like service that was kind of front and center with the discipline of service but of course fasting humbles us we just realize how dependent we are on food and stuff and sabbath is humbling we realize the world doesn't depend on us and we can unplug and not get you know see the world fall apart all that stuff. So that's just an example uh, of you know the, these these high level commands in Scripture, and we we should think carefully as as God's children, as Jesus followers. How do we do that together? How do we live out these commands in real ways? So yeah, a rule of life is basically a plan for how we're going to practically obey God. And as Dallas Willard points out, you know, for, for our own quality of life, our, our our obedience and the abundant life that Jesus came to offer are very closely related. So there you have it. Take it or leave it. I think that's how we can re- we can understand a rule of life biblically. I want to end with some key ideas as you consider crafting a rule of life. The first one is to consider what you're already doing. You might have practices that you could put on your rule of life grid, you know, in our course packet that you are already doing. You maybe come to them with a little bit more intentionality or a little more prayerfully or whatever, but you know, you, you're, you're in the class. Like, I think most of you are members of the church and attend most Sundays. Like, you can put, you know, Sunday morning gathering on your grid for a way that you do weekly community. Or if you're in a life transformation group, uh, you, you know, that, that can be part of your rule of life. And, you know, but maybe it's been tough, you know, and it, it hasn't, it's been, been a struggle to stick with it or whatever. And so you put that on your grid and then you, maybe you spend 10 minutes in silence and solitude before you get together with your LTG, just asking God to meet you in that practice of the discipline of community. Maybe, you know, you already like have lunch with your coworkers on a regular basis. So how might you approach that with, you know, kind of this discipline of hospitality in mind where in that space uh, you're creating, uh, that where you're with them, you're creating space for, for them to cast off their strangeness, to ask them questions and consider how to, you know, maybe share the gospel with them. The second key idea is to begin where you are and not where you hope to be. Uh, as Dallas Willard says, we, we, we must not seek to be a hero in any of the disciplines. 
And depending on how you're wired, you might want to go, you know, from zero to hero. Like I've never gone more than an hour without, you know, food with any kind of food, a meal or a snack. So I'm going to, but I'm going to fast for a week. Uh, you know, maybe not. And the, the key to a rule of life is to set it, you know, with, uh, with growth in mind and set it to where it'll be something that you actually can, you actually do. Um, but I, the, the, I guess, complementary key idea is to actually do something, like actually put something on the grid and just try it. Just go for it. Experiment with it. And that's the beauty of disciplines uh, is that, you know, through small steps over time, you, your capacity and enjoyment of something will grow, which is the, the classic running example. You might hate running and be only be able to run, you know, a quarter mile at first and it'll, you're miserable. But over time, you can go further and further. And then, you know, as your body gets stronger and healthier, you can begin to actually enjoy running. Uh, you know, so scripture is hard. Maybe just start with a psalm in the morning and some quiet. Or maybe silence and solitude is hard because you're like me, just a degenerate extrovert. So do 15 minutes a day and hope to maybe build up to like a four-hour retreat sometime in the fall, something like that. Uh, but I'd encourage you, uh, just looking at the rule of life grid and the course packet, to put a few things down that you think you could really own and commit to for the next six months, um, and just trust the process. Like you know, maybe I can give you another copy. You could put it out, you know, on your your mirror at home in the bathroom, and uh, just trust the process and put all expectations uh, for results on God. He's the only one that can bring about the fruit that we really hope to see. That's the whole point of John 15. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. The next key idea is to consider having a, a fully formed rule of life. Uh, the, the eight core disciplines that we've covered in the class, I think, work really well together. You know, it might be a lot to, you know, jump into eight, you know, new ones or whatever. But typically, legalism is a pitfall that comes into play when we don't consider the full range of disciplines. We only pick the ones that we naturally like, and then we can, you know, start to judge people, you know, if like someone is really service-minded or community-minded, we start judging introverts that aren't as like available to relationships or, you know, or vice versa, you know, that, that person can't be silent to save their lives, and I do silence and solitude, and, you know, this is the the obese teetotaler phenomenon, like, you know, I, it's really good to practice simplicity and not drink too much, but, you know, if we need bariatric surgery, there's something else going on. Or this is the, you know, the burnt out church member who serves so much but are like grumbly and resentful and can't rest and are mad at all the people that don't serve as much as them. The minimalist who has three shirts, three white shirts uh, that are perfectly made and ethically sourced and all that stuff, but, you know, no white space on the calendar. So you, you know what I'm saying. There's probably too many examples. A fully formed rule of life gets at a couple different categories uh, when it comes to the discipline. So a fully formed rule of life is going to have disciplines of abstinence and disciplines of engagement. Uh, so, you know, service, community, hospitality are the engagement ones. Sabbath arguably is both. Uh, and then, you know, science and solitude, quiet time with scripture. You know, we want to have all, all of those on the map. And depending on your personality, uh, you know, those, those will be in different ratios. Some people might need a lot of discipline of abstinence, a lot of silence and solitude to kind of have a, a healthy baseline. And, you know, some people might need a lot of uh, a, a lot of, of people time. You know, consider your personality because uh, that's some other categories. You know, based on our personality, some disciplines will be upstream. You know, it'll be like us kind of working against what comes naturally to us. And there's good 
work that God can do in our lives there. Or it could be in the category of downstream, you know, easy, life-giving. So, uh, you know, I've, I've learned that if I have a day of work where I'm just alone in my office all day, like it just doesn't go well for me. I tend to feel really kind of hopeless and it's like really hard to engage with the family or whatever. Like I need, you know, time with people or whatever. And then uh, the other idea would be in a fully formed one is just to consider, you know, your, your stage of life. Uh, if you got, you know, a lot of kids or, um, you know, work is like super draining and emotional for a season or whatever, you might need to flex your rule of life around, you know, what, what, you're, actually, what you're actually going through. Another key idea around crafting a rule of life is to do it in community, which is kind of a given, like we're doing it together in a class, uh, hopefully invite other people into the process. And hopefully in the class next Wednesday, we'll, we'll be able to come with some ideas or a rough draft on our grid. And then we'll break into groups and kind of talk through that with uh, one or two other people, just kind of sharing what we want to focus on in the next six months. You know, so this is where if you're an intense person, a brother or sister might be able to kind of talk you back from the cliff being like, hey, that's a great long term goal. But, you know, are there any like steps in the next six months that might be more doable or, you know, hey, just if I'm speaking honestly, I'm not sure it counts as a Sabbath if you have to, you know, drive your kids around to six different sporting events or, uh, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. And the last key idea with a rule of life is a rule of life isn't everything we do in our lives, but a good rule of life can be the way we do everything in our lives. You know, how do we parent? Well, we parent out of a deep abiding in Jesus, in silence and solitude, informed by uh, Scripture and the, the, the reality of God that he has revealed in his word. We do it from a place of rest, knowing that we ourselves are children and can rest and delight on the Sabbath. How do we do our jobs with, with service, seeking to be humble and serve our clients, our bosses, our coworkers, being uh, with hospitality, seeking to you know, create space for our coworkers to, to be known and hopefully hear the gospel and uh, you know, we, we, we do our jobs with rest rhythms. Like we don't overwork and we don't overpromise uh, because we have, you know, rhythms of rest worked into our lives. You know, how do we spend our free time, our leisure time, you know, with simplicity, like not frantically or whatever, but, you know, with the Sabbath, delighting and resting with hospitality, you know, enjoy playing a sport, like being a kid out on the soccer field is one of my favorite things to do, but also, you know, hopefully build relationships with other people. And I think having a rule of life can can help us make decisions. Pete Scazzaro really riffs on this in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Uh, he talks about how your rule of life can kind of be a guardrail on how to make decisions. Like if a decision is going to cut into your normal rhythms of being with God, you know, we should consider is that a dis- is that something we should decide to do? Uh, you know, of course, there might be seasons where like, hey, I'm in a crunch time. I just need to like grind this out and then I'll get back to my normal rule of life. But uh, if it's going to be like an ongoing thing, then it might be a, a, a good a, a good thing to do. But it, it's going to hurt, you know, this this rhythm that you have. You know, it might be a good way to serve people, or it might be a good way to earn money and have you know more resources for things. But is it going to alter our life so that you know living in the kingdom, life with God under His rule, is more difficult to embrace? So that's what I got. Uh, on the idea of a rule of life. Uh, I just got to say, it's a bit of a dream come true for me to be talking about this in, in a church setting, in a, 
in our church family, you know, one of the, the, the kind of the, the dreams of my life is to explore this idea of a rule of life within a local church, you know, where there's some like high level disciplines that we all kind of band together to practice and uh, encourage each other in, you know, in specific, you know, appropriate ways for each of our lives. And I think I'm curious what it'd be like for a church to like more and more have a common rule of life where, you know, instead of core values, a church has core disciplines that enable the body to, you know, live out uh, what's most important. You know, if if your values don't make the calendar, then they, they might just be more like nice aspirations rather than actual values. But, you know, what would it look like for a church family that has, you know, this way of life? Like, you know, come to a church website and there's a button that says how we live, you know, and it just un- articulates how and why we, we do the things that we do. And for people who feel lost, the people whose way of life is not working, we could say, hey, try these rhythms. They, they, they open us up to life with God. And some exciting things to explore there. This feels like a really exciting first shot across the bow excited to hear your guys' thoughts on it. And of course, if there's like a wholesale revolt, we can tweak it or talk about it a different way or whatever. But I love you guys. Excited to be with you on Wednesday for our final class. Hope you have a good week.